Good afternoon, good day, good evening, wherever you are tuning in from and paying attention to this. I am, I always say I'm excited, but this is a different level today um, because I adore you. I don't even know if you know how much I adore you, but I, I have such a deep love and adoration for you that I'm kind of fangirling a little bit to have this conversation. And I haven't even introduced you yet, but I want to set the scene. So I've known you like on the fringe for like over 10, maybe 15 years, like before we had grays, right? Before we had grays, we've known each other. And um, you were stunning the first time I saw you and you have been stunning every time I've seen you. That That's one thing that's never changed. And your spark and your flame is just so bright and your, you, your light is so bright that that's why I'm excited today to have this conversation with you. And who you are is, of course, the incomparable Freddie. Thank you for joining me. Uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for that introduction. <laughs> it's a pleasure. And, I, you know, I'm a big fan of giving people their flowers, right? And you deserve them. Um, and I guess this is a little bit of story time. But... You are somebody who I've had really wonderful conversations with, I've joked with and everything, but some something stands out in my mind very strongly. And it's about, I'm going to say close to four years now. I pick up the phone and I get you and I'm like, I need a favor. I know you probably don't have time for this, but I don't know anybody else who can do this. Can you please sing at my wedding? And you're like, yes, yeah, no problem. Yeah, no problem. I got you. And I was like, it's a particular song. Yeah, send it to me. I'll learn it. No problem. And I remember we had this really great conversation, but you were just like, whatever you need, I got you. And it was a testament to how I feel about you because that's how I feel about you. It's like, I don't need to see you every day. I don't need to talk to you every day. But the absolute adoration and love that I have for you is like always vibrating. Always yeah, vibrating. If you don't mind, break down for me how this love of music was really instilled in you. In my house. Like, you know, I like I said, I grew up in the suburbs outside of D.C. So I, I had the privilege of, of, of having instruments at home. You know, I have a big brother who's 10 years older than me. So when he was 16 and in his high school band, I was six. And just sitting on the stairs and watching them rehearse, just waiting for them to take a break so that in about... 15 minutes, I can touch every single instrument before they get back. You know, right. I mean, my father's from Senegal and he went to UCLA. That's how he, our family came to, to the United States. Yeah. And his vinyl collection was huge. So my house was definitely a very fertile ground for my musicality in terms of my dad being the middleman, the the deep, deep record collection and my brother being the musician and I'm his prodigy, you know? So we were just a black family with a nice basement and brought musicians over to the house and, you know, high school bands, garage bands, that type of stuff. That, that's how I came up. And so it was nurtured in you, right? Your parents were like, go for it versus maybe what we hear as immigrant parents tell us often like, no, do quote unquote safe things. That's really like the understanding of a lot of first generation, either Canadians or Americans is to do the safe thing that their parents, you know, want them to do. So it's really well, nice to hear you say that. Actually, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a, I think it's, it's a bit of both. I, mm -hmm. They fostered the experience at home, which I'm very grateful for. 
But when it was time to go to university and the college, they said straight up, there was like, Freddie, are we going to pay for a piece of paper to tell you that you're talented and you can play music? We know you're talented. Go do something else and get a backup plan in that way. And then afterwards, you can do what you want to do. But you don't need a piece of paper to tell you that you can play music. That was their mentality. For them who sacrificed so much for us, for us to get up and being like, I'm going to go study music yeah. Yeah. in a university, they're like, no, happen. you know, that's not going to happen. Not on our watch, you know? So it's it's a it's a bit of both. It was right. supportive, but it wasn't a hundred percent really like make a career out of like that's just I don't think parents from the eighties and nineties knew that this was a viable you know yeah. uh, I mean, direction. I, and career I path. can share with you that every time I tell my parents that I'm I'm chasing a contract or a dream for an opportunity, up till now they're like, "Yeah, but you have a safe job. Like, stay safe." Why, why, why do you want to do these things? Like, you don't understand. And I'm like, actually, you don't understand. But it's okay. We're not going to get into that. We're just going to have these conversations, you know. And and I don't I don't get mad at it anymore. I really feel like that's what they know to keep us yeah. safe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's what they know. So now tell me, you have actually done what most people wish they could do. Make a living with your art. Not, mm. I, I have a feeling this is not easy. I have a feeling Ooh, that there's a lot of stories behind this. So mm -hmm. how do you look at your life and say, okay, it's time for me to fully focus on being a full-time musician. What was that process and conversation like? Oh, wow. I think, I think it, it took a lot of time to figure out, you know what I mean? And um, I think there's, there's two levels to this, you know, which is a um, being a full-time musician, which is, kind of the equivalent, as I say, of being a craftsman, you know, of being a jeweler, of being a, a blacksmith, uh, you know, all those types of things where you have to, A, you have to master your craft and B, learn to become a reliable professional so your phone starts ringing off the hook. Oh, this person is very good at what they do. They're reliable. They have experience. They think so. You become, basically, you spend your time becoming a first call musician. You know what I mean? So be it for vocals, be it for bass, be it for, um, you know, uh, I did a 70s uh, review, you know, and I toured a long time with that, with that review show and all that type of stuff. And those are yeah. the things that gave me experience. And that's level one. Now, level two is actually starting to incorporate entrepreneurship into what it is to becoming a musician. So Let's are you just working that. for yourself? Right. Or are you actually creating a business and really understanding how to how, how to survive in this thing and, and own right. your, your craft, own your talent and own your products? So what is frustrating and maybe, and I, I don't want to make this a negative Nancy type vibe, but what is frustrating mm -hmm. is anybody who has a creative bone in their body isn't taught how to make that work, right? How did you pick this up? How do you learn it? Because that's why there's managers, right? That's why there are booking agents. That's why there are those people. Because my understanding is artists focus on art and let the mm -hmm. other people put those pieces together. But the mm -hmm. other reality is you can't bank on that. You have to yeah. be the one who's answering the phone. So how do yeah. you balance it? It's really tough. I'm not going to lie. It's really tough. But um, me, I think that the first thing you have to do is, 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 is build a team. You know what I mean? And that's team building and that's interpersonal relationships. Yes. And, you know, and that's something that, you know, when I got to level two of what it is to be a full-time musician and, and now owning something that's bigger than myself, yeah. you know, is, is, is team building. 
You know what I mean? So yeah. when you are able to build a team, then you're able to delegate a little bit. So my team is really able to lift a lot of some of the musical responsibilities. So I do have musical direction, but it's like, hey, my beat maker takes care of this. The vocal, the vocal coordinator, vocal arranger takes care of this. Uh, the guitar player writes the charts. Um, you know what I mean? And just and organize that workload so that I can go and have a, a management and CEO type of a capacity okay. and go get the opportunities. Break it down. So it all starts with team building. I want you to break this down further because it's so unclear to how detailed this really is. Because, and this is the fault of every single person in this industry. What do we do? We just say, we put in the work, we get it done. But we don't yeah. talk about what the hell that really looks like. Even a yeah. podcast that I'm doing, right? I'm not the only person involved in this. Yes, Ooh. I'm getting the guests and I'm producing the show, but there's somebody Ooh. doing the marketing. There's somebody doing things that I can do. In order for exactly. me to do this, I have to look at it and say, I'm not good at this. I'm not Ooh. good at Instagram. I'm not good. I, I just, I'm not. So mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not trying to learn that right now. I'm trying to learn you. Right. I'm trying to develop an, a, a relationship that is good enough for me and you to talk that people are going to listen and hopefully learn about you, learn about the process and your story. I can't mm -hmm. be focusing on Instagram right now. Right? I mean, like right. I need, yeah. I need to zone in on you. So there's a team mm -hmm. of people that say, Hey, I believe in your product and I believe in you. That's right. And they find you and you find yeah. them. It's beautiful. How does yeah. it work for musicians? I think with musicians, and, and that's the thing, like, is we're, like you said, we're not taught these things, you know, even in, in the highest of music schools and whatnot. I tell musicians all the time, like, if you're with a band and you're touring and you're in the world, like, you're only 10% of the time you're on stage. Mm, mm -hmm. Only 10% of the time. The rest of the time, you guys are actually looking each other in the eyes over dinner, in, in planes, in trains, automobiles, other mm -hmm. places, whatever. So interpersonal relationships are super, super important and all these aspects of team building. You see it even in corporate, in the right. corporate sector of what the importance of team building, of investing into your team, right. investing into people. Um, you know, I think one of uh, the, the way that I changed my mindset and one of the most important things and how things really started moving at a different level for me was when I was able to like, when I was, building my team and right. I looked at them instead of being you know the lead singer the James Brown the Prince the guy who's in front and play my music what can you do for me can you guys do this gig and my gig and stuff like that my group is called the foundation it's Freddie being the foundation so instead of being like hey um come here and come do my thing or whatever I asked them and I was like where do you see yourself in five ten years what do you want in your life and how can the foundation help you get there mm. as soon as I Asked that question uh -huh. and I switched them and you put it on them or whatever, all the blessings and all the doors opened up. I've always thought that I was, you know, I'm humble. I always look out for my people. I got their back and whatever, but I was like, nah, I can level that up. Right, and I right. started investing in my team. You know what I mean? Mm. And when they saw that, I think that that's when they started really putting like, in a whole true buy-in happened, like more family. So let me ask you, because you're also a bassist and you play instruments, do you mm -hmm. think that a part of this is because you understand what it's like to be a part of the collective that might be backing the singer? So you're just like, nah, son, I, I know you want me to go here, but I really think for the team, we need to go here. But because you're the lead singer, I have to follow. I don't like that. Do you think that yeah. you keep that perspective involved? In oh, completely. Yeah. I think that, that the, yeah. the, the diversity of my experience has definitely helped me to 
really understand all of the different roles that it has to play. Mm -hmm. And in some instances, I am the star. It is my name on the bill. It is everything and whatnot. And I know what that comes with. Right. And then, you know, just, just at the jazz festival this year, in, in the span of 48 hours, I did two different roles. On Friday, I was a lead singer of Freddie V and the Foundation at Club Soda. I did the show. I was fronting it. I had to take care of my team. My name was on the bill. The next day, yeah. I was on the TD stage as the musical director for Shaylia, backing her up and playing bass and making sure that baby girl was super comfortable and had everything that she needed in order to give her biggest hometown show after being nominated for a Juno. So those two roles are in, very in, in 24 hours, I had to go extremes to, you know, the guy that's being served to on my team to the one that has to be supportive and, and, and really run the ship. And because I'm able to know those experiences, I know when to turn on and I know when to turn off and how to so, apply. So this leads me to want to ask two very different questions. One, was there a point, and I feel like we're going to talk on this a bit more, where you were working in a corporate setting that also helped to ignite that, okay, this is what team building is lacking. This is what it needs. Um, and the second part to that is, when do I stop working corporate and start moving towards my full-time passion? Like when do you start mm. to weigh that? You know what I mean? So did you work corporate ever? And what was that like? And how does that mm -hmm. lead into this now? And when was the break point? Well, I think that I, I've never like had a like non-musical job per se. You know, like my whole adult life, like I've been working in music, but I've had the chance to work in the music business side. You know, be it interning for a different uh, indie label. Sorry, check check one two. Yeah, whether it's a, um for indie labels and stuff like that, like Got Soul and uh and all that. But I've always been like making my bones as a creative and for me what I had to do is just that I had to study mm. I had to study the greats I had to read those books I had to watch those master p interviews I had to understand how Rockefeller records got to where they were I I know the backstory of of Andre Harrell and Uptown Records and how Mary J Blige got to where they were I understand how Timbaland and Missy and Jodeci and Aaliyah were all building together right. I understand how how Teddy Riley discovered the Neptunes and really did my homework and understand even the contracts that were behind them. I went and did, I went to Travis Institute and did music business. So that definitely helped me with contracts okay. and copyright law. So I really took it upon myself to do my research in the business. Right. You know what I mean? In the right. music business side. But for, yeah, I can say that 85% of what I do is, is the creative. Right. Yeah. And so what I'm hearing is like this and, and people will think you're lucky, but it's, it's more than luck. It's work. You put the work in to yep. learn those lingos and what the contracts will look like. So you may not actually need to have and you probably do, but you don't need to have a, a, a contract lawyer or a music lawyer look at it first glance. Like, you know, Ooh. eventually you'll get to that point where before a bigger deal happens, but like you can exactly right away what people are coming at you with and really kind of steer the ship towards it or against it, depending exactly. on exactly. So now that you have a, a the foundation and you're the band leader for the foundation, how do you invite them 
to bring to you as the creative director and like the leader of this, their thoughts and feelings. Because sometimes it's hard, right? To say, I I don't actually, I I don't like the way we're headed here. Let's go here. How does that happen? Oh man, it's, it's, it's still happening, you know? And, and that's the other thing too, to know that this is an ongoing process. And so that kind of like makes you to take patience, but yeah, I think it's just, it's bringing, it's bringing people to the table and understanding how to bring everybody's ingredients to the meal, you know, and that creatively that we are better when we come together, we need to form like Voltron and also to foster safe space where we can say, Yo, you're here because you're great. You're here because we love you. We're here because right. your talent is dope and everything like that. So if we say that we don't like your idea or no, let's go a different direction, not you're not going to take that personal because it's a no judgment zone. We're here for the music. So we've been able to foster this creative space of like, you know, honestly, like high level first call musicians all building trust. And mm-hmm. everybody, I think we're fans of each other. Right, we respect right. each other's talent and musicality. So when it comes to like cooking and making that stuff happen, right. because of that respect and because of that trust, we foster the thing be like, oh, yeah, that's cool. You know, that's dope. But I think we need more of this. Da, da, da. Oh, yo, that's really cool. That's really dope. And just right. we're able to, to really cook and, and bring stuff together. And that's what the last two years has been. So, you know, things ebb and flow all the time opportunities come like you just said you were you know the lead that the, like the the marquee act congratulations by the way one day and then you're directing to make somebody else's dream come true the following day yeah. right mm-hmm. if and when your members come to you and they're like i got an opportunity bro and i'll be touring with x person or y person and like they have to go how mm-hmm. I, I i'm sure you're happy for them but mm-hmm. how do you then keep that momentum with the band and find replacements like how how does that really come together well i think the um this is where I feel like I'm kind of uh, changing a little bit the norm. Um, there are a lot of things in the music industry that I believe that we've been made to believe that don't serve us anymore. Um, we can't go into a post-COVID world with a pre-COVID model. So when, it it. Com- so when it comes to music and touring and everything like that, I think that's where we need to understand that as well, too. I tell my members what, you know, what do you want in your music career and how can the foundation help you get there? And um, like I said, I've been in a situation where I've been the employee. I'm not the leader. I'm not the director. And the guy wanted to keep me in prison. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And say exclusivity. And whatnot. I'm like, dude, you're not paying me enough for exclusivity. So first of all, like I think just in business, it's just a business overall, not even business, just for your own agency as a person moving and, and, and making a life for yourself. If somebody, if somebody asks you for exclusivity, boy, boy, there better be some commas and some zeros, okay? Yeah. So if you ain't providing those commas or those, or those zeros, you can't be speaking in that position. Of, of, so I can't speak in that position of exclusivity. Mm-hmm. So me, what I ask is that, hey, the foundation really provides probably a good percentage of your yearly salary. Like, like, and that's a thing. I'm putting food on the table, but we're working for our freedom. Right, right. So listen, if you got five gigs, 10 gigs in Canada with the foundation, but you have 20 gigs in Europe with a Grammy nominated act, go. Yeah. I got your sub because I have three guitar players, three keyboard players, three bass players, three drummers, three singers, and 
it's a it's a conglomerate to back up. So when one can't make it, the I'm other one really steps in. And right. it's a contingency plans that come in and whatnot. I understand that I'm the face. Melissa Pacifico is a face. Uh, Calder is a core member of what of, of what we do. So there's certain people and certain cores that are the core, like the foundation, that the foundation, foundation of the foundation, exactly. But when it comes to the universe, I create this collective, and the foundation becomes kind of not just hey, this is just this one band and we're doing one thing. It's like no, nah. the foundation provides work for a community of musicians. Like I had a sub bass player in uh, last month for a gig that we did uh, at La Toy for Chef du Soleil and like, um, and a forward dance movement, you know, it was a beautiful collaborative gig and a bass player I hadn't played with in so long. I was like, bro, I need a bass player. Can you come in? He's like, oh, thank you for the call. I haven't played with you in so long. It's, and he just stepped into the gig and he, and honestly, that's when I knew I was like, God, we're professional guys. We're here. You know what I mean? Because he came in, he was like, oh my God, your beat. outfit is professional. The space for me was made. All the sequences were ready. The charts were ready. The way that you sent the music, it was ready. You rolled out the red carpet for me to come in and crush this gig. And I came and, I, and he crushed it. And it brought it. my best self. Yeah. And it brought my best self. And I told him, welcome to the family. Because I will call you again and I will need you again. And he was like, oh my God, I, I can't believe I'm in the extended family of the foundation. And I'm like, we're providing work for the community. Yeah. And, yeah. So that's what, and so I think that that's how I set up my system. So people have a bit of freedom. They know, we know who the A team is. We know who the first calls are and they have to put you that in their starting priority. Lineup. Yeah, you got your starting lineup. And exactly. then you, there. you didn't think I'd exactly. give you, you didn't yeah, think I'd, 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 I'd give you a Oh man, you should have said that after that. So if you're going to go there, you know. That's that face you make. That's that face you make when you're just like, that person really said something I wasn't expecting. Okay. That touched my heart. <laughs> I do know a few things, my dear. You know what though? Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna do like a sign thing. If I go like this, that means I can't hear you well. Instead, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's like so different for sure. So, so this has got my mind going in whole many places. One, let's talk about COVID for a sec, because obviously Ooh. COVID has it has revamped a lot of everything, right? Ooh. For example, in some cases, it's made things better, and I'll give you the example of this. Prior yeah. to this, I was always meeting people, having to schedule face-to-face. -face. Not that that's not cool, is that it just takes up so much of the person and my time that it was harder to schedule. I can be more consistent on my shit now because I can meet you through Zoom, right? Right, and exactly. Just, so there are ways in which that it's gotten better. And this is my, right. my opportunity to be more consistent because of it. But this mm -hmm. is a talk-based medium. This is not live performance. How and what... Did you have in place for this? And how did you manage the past 18 months? <sighs> my dear, I'm not gonna lie, I'll be, I'll be real. This is community, this is Montreal, you know. Um, yeah, like in August, I pretty much, I think I had to be honest with myself and understood the toll that it took on me of being an independent artist, to release an album in the middle of a global pandemic mm. while having two kids at home. An independent artist too, right? An so independent which, artist. Which really means you do not have an advance. You do not have the backing of a major label. You do not have the, the session time, the studio allotments that, a, that a, an album would bring with it. So you're financing mm -hmm. everything out of pocket, everything. Mm -hmm. Not everything. I got some financing. I was able. I was able okay. to gain some financing. So before we started the project, you know, I that's where 
my business acumen and my entrepreneurship got up because I was like, I need to stop being a hippy dippy musician and just going along and just, you know, like a leaf blowing in the wind. Right, right. Stop, prepare and doing it. So I really set up the, the foundation productions and what the foundation is and everything okay. like that. Was able to go get a little bit of funding for it. Nice. Got the project done. So literally we finished recording the album and then COVID hit. Okay. And so okay. that's how that, so that's how the situation went. So I do have to say that putting an album out at a time where record labels are closing at a time where booking agencies are closing and everybody's being furloughed and all yeah. the music industry contacts that you have are pause. disappearing before yeah. your eyes, you know, like not even pause disappearing. Mm. Like I remember when we sent out a, when we sent out the, a press release for the first single and whatnot and all these things and all of our contacts that we've been getting, They're we send back. it out yeah, and they all, and, and at least a third of them come back, be like, hi, we've been furloughed. Please bring your email to this person, please. And I just sat back and I was like, yeah. oh yeah. my God, our industry is changing. All these people that I, we knew and that are working are in trouble now. And, and that was, that was, that was hard. And then releasing the record was really difficult. Um, you know, when it comes to being an indie, indie label, our distribution as well, we were very disappointed with because they went through some things and lost employees and whatnot, and they right. didn't do the things that they were promised that, that, that they were able to do. So a lot of that stuff was very tough. But however, I had to take a step back mm -hmm. and say that when I went into the pandemic, I had something. Mm. I had something of my, of my own. Yeah. Something that we created. So, you know, and it's so interesting because yes, you do have a project. You had you 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 created something. You birthed something from this yeah. pandemic. So you'll always have this 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 beautiful memory. But moving forward, how do you how do you tour the record? How do you get it out? What do you do? Well, I mean, that's that's where you know we had. I had to sit down and understand the things that I do control and understand the things that I don't control. That's where I had to sit down and tell myself that uh, this is not the time to be part of the microwave generation and expect results to come so fast. Mm -hmm. We are here playing the long game. Um, we are not here just for a viral moment and thinking that we're going to blow up, um, you know, in a year and yeah. it happened. Um, my priorities are to be able to create a sustainable package and to survive this pandemic as a live mm -hmm. band. And you're you know seeing the other, you know, Freddie, we're seeing the other side slowly. You, mm -hmm. I, I got a call the other day and I called you and I told you that I got the most beautiful message about somebody seeing you performing live. And just, it was the first time since the pandemic that they got the chance to go out and see a mm -hmm. live performance. And they were so happy that they got to see you. And they're like, holy crow, he's good. I'm like, right? Like, because the reason I say that is because from when I met you 15 years ago, and how I met you 15 years ago, I was dabbling. Like, I'm not an artist in that sense. I can say that because I didn't have that yearning desire to continue, right? I was dabbling. I was having fun with expressing myself through word and prose and things. But you, you weren't. <laughs> you were already, like, let's be honest. You were already where you, where you needed to start to set yourself, right? Like, you were already a phenomenal singer songwriter um musician and had a stage presence like that started right and now we're turning a corner it was this has been a very un i want to say unprecedented thing but i also get the feeling that we'll be seeing this a lot more often in our lifetime so it's almost a great way for us to kind of prep 
You know what I mean? Like really start planning for when this happens again and how yeah. it continues again, because this will be a part of our new life. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm almost, it's in my bones. I feel it, you know, like we just have to be prepared. So as you move forward, you know, you're doing really cool, innovative performances. And I have to commend you for that. And one thing, you know, you've said a lot of things, but one that's a real takeaway for anybody listening is you had a reckoning with yourself, my brother, you said to yourself, I have to stop being a hippy dippy artist and get real with it. And yeah. I got to be straight with you. A lot of artists, we, there's no, there's no thought of that. They look at it yeah. as a sellout. Oh, they do. Like I can't become corporate. Corporate can't take me. It takes my art. But what you're really highlighting and showing people is in order to let your art fly and soar and be free, you need Ooh. to understand how to prepare it for the people to buy it, to yeah. consume it, to take yeah. it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, so, so to me, it's like you are going to end up doing a master class on the merger, right? The merger. <laughs> You feel exactly. me? Because they can't live exclusively. They, yeah. they cannot live exclusively. Mm -hmm. um, and so how, how do you take that into your family life? How do you take touring and being a, a father, a husband, a son, a cousin? Like, how do you take that in your, into your family life? Well, yes, uh, oh, that's a, that's a, that is a loaded question. That is a loaded question indeed. You know, um, it's, it's hard because I feel a little bit removed because for the past three years I've been, I've been really a homebody and, you know, and I've really been able to like infuse a lot to my kids, you know what I mean? And before when I was touring a lot, you know, it, it definitely, it, it's, it, you know, it's a, I won't say a strain on the family, but, you know, it definitely comes with some of his challenges right. on the family. But on the other side is that when daddy's home, Daddy's You're home. home. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I could be working, you know, nine to five for like some diplomatic job, United Nations and whatever. And I don't take my kids to school and I don't pick them up. I come home at 7 p.m. and I barely put them to bed and they just see me for a few hours a week and whatnot. But when I'm home from tour, sometimes daddy's gone, it's gone. But when daddy's here, daddy's here. Right. And so right. I think the, the thing about it is just to be fully present when you are there for your kids. And even when you're not, to make sure that you are, your presence is felt, you know, and not just uh, taking to school and doing all this type of stuff, like really quality time yeah. with family and that memories oh, and making those moments. Exactly. Special. Yeah. Like that is, that is, I think my most important thing now. And now knowing that we're kind of coming out of COVID and things can kind of pick up with the touring and, and moving, you know, starting in 2022, then that is how I reckon both, you know, is that when I'm home and when I'm around that, I try to be as present as possible and to really infuse the members of my home with like all the love in oh, the you. world yeah. and all of me in the world. So when I step out, they have enough of me to carry them through, you know, like I fill their tank up, you know? Yeah. So let's talk about that for a second, because you're your own manager in a sense, right? You're taking those calls. How, when do you separate? Because this isn't easy, right? The phone is always there. The emails are always coming in. How do you separate that next call from, no, it's me and home time? Yeah, well, I think that, I think that's very important for people who are really um, in different spaces. And that's, and that's what's different for me. I do many different things, you know, um, what it is to be a musical director for somebody, for an artist versus what it is One to hat. be a for Another a hat network versus being daddy versus being the husband versus being the lead singer versus being you know all that so sometimes yeah you know I I at one moment I was like man this is 
I really got to like, this is really difficult to like go into these, into these different spots. So what me, I try to do is just to try and whether it's half days, full days, certain times and to block off certain times, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I won't take a business call until 10 AM, you know, and, and really just take care of my body and eat and just really just get in my mind, my, my mind right after dropping off the kids and all that type of stuff too. And then afterwards, there's a time for administration. Mm-hmm. So that's really my left brain. That's really like practicing and working. That, that is, and put enough time to get into the groove of that yeah. and do that for half a day or a full day. I'm going to take care of this. And then there's creative day. Hey, foundation productions day. We're there for the full day or like a day and a night. Right. We'll have dinner. So you have time to really just delve into the thing like family day when it is, Hey, turn the phone off, turn socials off. I'm fully dedicated and fully present to my kids. So when you do many things in your career, and I know a lot of people can relate to this, you know, especially entrepreneurs that have to do work, different departments, legal, publishing and marketing, all that type of stuff is to try and be present and to segment, you know, your different activities so that you have the time to at least really dive into. Because if, you know, you're here and, oh, my God, I have to post Instagram. and Oh, my God, I have to read this contract. And, oh, my God, I have to and then yeah then that's when you start running like a a chicken with your head cut off so segment things that's what's helped me a lot it it is so helpful and a lot of what you're saying resonates because i have a full-time gig i have a couple of part-time gigs i have a husband i have a child i'm a daughter i'm a sister i have a podcast and all of these things make me who i am but something happened the other day my little one is 18 months and it freaked me out i looked at her playing and she was like this and she's always playing like this. Everything is to her head, like a cell phone. Any toy goes to her head. And I'm just like, well, where'd she learn that? Mm-hmm. Right? So while it was cute and it was funny, she's having her imaginary conversation. She's not having it with a dolly face to face. She's having it, you know, on the phone. So I had yeah. to check myself <laughs> because I have taken those calls in front of her and I continue to, and I'm like, nah, I got something has to give. And you know what this boils down to when I'm listening to you priorities and confidence. And this is where I'm headed. It's not that your priority isn't your family. It's not that your priority isn't your music. Your priority is segmented. So yeah. when you're with your family, it's hundred percent them when, and yeah. right. Am I onto something and the yeah. confidence And this is why I say confidence. We joked earlier before about, you know, being first generation or second generation, Um, you know, our parents are immigrants and that there's a, there's a thing that comes with that, a level of needing to always find safety and security. So Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but for me, that was take the job, figure it out, take the contract, figure it out. Right. And so there's that need, there was that, okay, I have to answer the phone. I have to, because it's going to be for something productive. You know what I mean? Like, I, I have to do this for my, my career, my end goal. Yeah. And, and a little part of accolades where people are like, wow, you really do a lot of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I don't need that no more. I'm past that part. But a part of it was that. Don't lie. Yeah. Part of it that. Like, oh my God, this adoration that comes because you quote unquote do it all. Mm-hmm. That shit is not sustainable. I bring it up because it's the confidence that you also exude into the world of everything has its time. So I don't take business calls until 10. So your hours of operations start at 10. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? There's a mm-hmm. confidence in setting that out there. And there's exactly. a precedent that will continue and then we can always come back to you. Because no one's yeah. going to fault you for not taking the call at nine. It is us that has to say, 
this is my office office hour. And that is the confidence that not all of us step into. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because mm-hmm. sometimes, tell me, I've seen people who are not necessarily the best at something, but they mm-hmm. sure as hell think they are. And that's why they get called. And that's why, right? Because they are able to show up and they are able to present themselves as if they are the best. And I always want that confidence. I always, I want that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In listening to you, my takeaways are really for anybody listening, knowing knowing that it's okay to miss a call, because they will call back when they really want. Yeah, them. and you can call them back too, and you know what I mean. And it's and sometimes when we have this anxiety, and yeah. and because of you know we're always hooked up to the phone, and we're always here, and you and you press a button, and you have your thing immediately. You know, you you see something you like, it could be at your doorstep within six hours. You know what I mean? And it's just yeah. this instant, instant society. And we're, you know, to understand that segmenting, you could call it segmenting, but it's also kind of like creating boundaries for you yes. yourself, knowing how to fuel yourself and invest in yourself so that you can be more efficient. So you just kind of say, if I take that call at 8.30, if I drop my kid off at school and I come home and I don't even have time to take a sip of coffee, maybe prepare and look over that contract before the meeting, right. you know, with no sound, no noise around, so I can actually put myself in, 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 into that place. And if I have to take it at 9.30, I'll take it at 9.30. So don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah. There's yeah. no absolutes. It's, and, it's and living I think with that intentionality. It is yeah, it's being, intentional. it's being intentional. And I do like something about social media lately. It's this change in how we see things, right? It's mm-hmm. almost as if we were, we weren't giving ourselves permission to being child, children of the nineties. We gave ourselves no permission to sit. We didn't mm-hmm. know that. And now there's this nice ways now that we're adults from the nineties, we're giving mm-hmm. ourselves this opportunity for self-care and understanding different triggers, what mm-hmm. boundaries look like, what anxiety feels like, what stressors are and how we can really make it happen. And I'm listening to you and I'm hearing you and I'm thinking a lot of self-care and mm-hmm. the more you learn to pour into yourself, the better you are for everybody else. You know exactly. I mean? And, and you are, you are definitely proving that to me. And I touched on your family life for a sec. If you permit me, I want to dig a little bit more into that. Mm -hmm. Um, With your spouse, how how open is she to your touring? And how does that part of your life um, support you? Because if it didn't work, it wouldn't work, right? Mm -hmm. Like your spouse really gets that about you. So Mm -hmm. what was that conversation like? Or are they like? I think that, well, I mean, like I said, I feel like I've been in a pause for it for a while. You know what I mean? But yo, I'll, I'll be real. There were times where it was difficult. There was times yeah. where, you know what I mean? And just, you have to understand that, okay, like you're gone and it, it, is it, is it worth it? It, it puts more, it put, puts more onus on her, but you know, at the same time, she sees the other opportunities and other more doors that open. And then when I'm home, I'm home, you know what I mean? Again, so that, that kind of, uh, balance that that comes from that but I think you know at the end of the day is that she understand who she married right right you know what I mean and yeah. and that that's this was we knew from jump that this was going to be a part of what we do and also that things aren't absolute there'll be times where hey I'll take a tour and for a few years it'll be like this and then there'll be a time where I'm really going to be home between you know yeah. this time and you know we, we're preparing for the next phase and that's going to be different so right now we're having a lot of conversations as saying, okay, 
what does it look with our children being older? Both of our kids are in the same school right now. And if you bounce and you leave for a month, you know what I mean? How is that going to look in 2022? So we're preparing for this next phase. Right, so I right. think that ongoing conversation, it's not like you have this one conversation and in your engaged. And then it's set. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you, things are, you got to keep it fluid. You got to keep it there. So there are mountains, there are valleys, there's high times, there's low times. And it's just to make sure that you guys are always in communication yeah. about it. That, you know, you guys take those decisions together. And yeah. I'm, I'm happy that I can do that with. Absolutely. And I also think that you said something really key is that she knew, right? It's not like all of a sudden you were like a nine to five or quote unquote. And then you're like, you know what? I think I'm going yeah, to yeah, yeah. like this sure. was this was the person she knew she married, she met, she loved from jump. Yeah. So there exactly. was no real evolution in that conversation in the sense of now I want to try something brand new. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. like, like that, that part is a little bit harder. <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. we... AZ, I'm sorry to, sorry to interrupt you, but just, no, I'm running out of a uh, battery here. Remember the charger situation. How much time do you have left? I mean, I have to go get this little person in a couple of minutes. So we're going to wrap really quickly. Um, that works, right? So I just wanted to ask you now about jumping into your podcast. Let's plug and yes. talk about that a little bit. I do like the concept of it, that you're really getting to be like this, like a fertile ground for people to learn about things. How yeah. how are you finding manipulating your own time to make it work? Oh my God, this was such a, this is probably one of the biggest undertakings. I think I, yeah, I think it was a bit even more than I thought it would be to tell you, but hey man, it's just to prove that I jumped and you know what I mean? And this is one of the biggest leaps that I've ever taken in terms of making a podcast. I've been a musician all my life. Yeah. And now you're telling me that I have to be a journalist. I have to ask questions uh, and I have to be personable. I have to make my guests feel comfortable. And then I have to go home and edit all of this by myself and then get a graphic designer and brand it. Right. And do all that. Like this was a completely different uh, type of skill, but I jumped. I saw a void, and I used to be one of the uh, complain about it. There, right. like R and B doesn't exist in Quebec. That's what I always say. R and B, like the category. You know what I mean? Like, whether the, it's countdowns, radio stations, right, blah, blah, right, blah, right. Like it just doesn't exist. Like there's rap get, but the R and B doesn't exist. Um, the artist entrepreneur model, the the Nipsey hustle, you know. It doesn't exist here, this, 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 this model here and like, and you know, and um, there, there's no quest love here. You know what I mean? Somebody who is, you know, like the curator and the, yeah, curator exactly. and, yeah. And, you know, and does the movies and things on top of being, you know, part of the roots and playing and whatever. So give me the check really was an initiative is saying that like, I am no longer scared of trying to become the hero that I'm looking for. Mm, say that again. You know, I saw that, you know, we don't have any platforms like this. We don't have anybody that's necessarily doing this for us. So instead of waiting for it and complaining about it, I'm going to go ahead and do it. And this was a major jump on my part. I love that you do it. And what's really beautiful is we are, and and I mean, everybody, the world knows this about our city is that we're very musical. We are very creative. And we don't also give ourselves the opportunity to shine the way in which we can. So I I really appreciate that you've taken the time to do that. And the reason why it's about time started is because there are just way too many beautiful souls out there making it happen. And everybody's it is different. You know what I mean? 
everybody's story is different and everybody has one. And when folks tell me, I don't think I have a story, I'm like, oh, you don't see yourself the way I do. Let's talk about it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody's story is just so enhancing to the other, you know, and that this is what this goal of this podcast is, is to really highlight how people make it happen because you are. And I want you to know before we wrap my brothers that you're so special to me because you have been consistently making it happen and evolving what that it is in your own life, right? Mm. And so that is something that I want you to take and receive because it's hard and a lot of folks stop because it gets hard or life happens or different parts of life challenge you. But you said, let me push through, you know what I mean? And that to me is helping to be the hero you need to be. And that's why I'm so grateful for you. And, and when I asked you to do the show, you were like 100% yes. And when I see that in folks, it makes me really proud because some people are like, oh, I'm so busy. And I'm like, we're all busy, bro. But you don't give me that. You know what I mean? Like, you've never brought that to me. You're like, let's just find a time. But it's good. Yeah. And yeah. I appreciate that in you. And I appreciate why you do what you do. So other people can love your art. Um, Freddie, you got to know something about your performances. I've seen you once or twice, you not even knowing I was there watching. Mm -hmm. And you would be that 70s revival um, band you were talking about. I remember just running into, into you on scene. Like I didn't know you would be at an outdoor festival kind of thing. Mm -hmm. No mm -hmm. idea I'm watching. And mm -hmm. what was impressive is that you would outstand everybody else. It's outstanding to see you perform because you're you're destined for it and why i find this so special is because you've allowed for your destiny to be your calling always you didn't dumb it down you didn't let it dull you didn't let your light stop shining you went through tough times i'm sure and i want to dig into that next time that's for damn sure but but what i find impressive is that you didn't stop and a lot of people would so i want you to take that and receive that and recognize that we see you, I see you, I hear you, and I've been hearing you, and your EP is fire. Um, and to make something through such a tough time, you know, like through pressure comes diamonds, you're making something that's very, very powerful. Thank you, Zita. Like, wow, I mean, you know my journey, you know? And like I said, one of the hardest things about doing what I did during the pandemic is putting out your opus putting out the biggest thing that you've ever done in your career yeah. and you throw it out there and you don't know how it's being received because you can't feel people, you can't touch people, you're not there and whatever, you know, even as artists, we have album launches, we, there's, you know, you break the bottle on the shit before you use it, you know, there's some type right. of- Right, there's some kind of celebration that you can handle. Exactly, and we didn't have that whatsoever. And that was one of the things that really played on my mind. So when I say thank you for sharing your platform, Thank you for your words. Thank you for just um, opening a window into my soul for your community to see. I, 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 I can't be more grateful. I'm, I'm a little emotional as I said. Your words are very touching because we go back, you know what I mean? And like I said, um, I don't know how things are being received. It's, it's hard to gauge, yeah. you know what I mean? And, but, but yeah, it's having an impact and, and we're making moves and, and, it and thank is. you. It is having an impact and what is beautiful for anybody listening and everybody watching to know is that through the failures come successes and through the challenges come beautiful opportunities. And you are somebody I think of in a very shining way that 
nothing comes easy, but everything is worth fighting for. Exactly. You feel me? Exactly. And yeah. and um, you, because of that, I wanted you on, not only because you can sing like it's nobody's business, but because you are a talented musical director, a bassist, a producer, an arranger, an, a, a band leader, a, a, a lead singer, a writer. Listen, that's not easy, right? Mm-hmm. And do you, and keep pushing because that's all I keep, keep thinking is just, you just keep going through it. And the music that comes from these experiences make for such beautiful, you know, moments on, on wax. Like it's just, it's, it's beautiful. And um, I think Freddie's phone died. And so I'm going to wrap this session without him here to hear me say how absolutely um, enamored I am with him. I could think you can hear that a little bit. I got to apologize to y'all because you hear a little bit of my congestion. I do have a cold, but we didn't want to not get together to do this session because our timing just aligned and it was important for us to make the time to do this episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I always want to hear from you. I always want your feedback and I thank you for all of the positive comments, the suggestions and everything I do get. Always feel free to hit me up on the website, which is zeta.ca. It's about time.com. It's about time podcast.com. I want to give thanks to Freddie V for sharing his light with us and, um, I can't wait for y'all to give me your feedback. So um, I'm going to leave it here and check you very soon. Peace.